Got the news on Friday morning, but a tear I couldn't find. You showed me how I'm supposed to live, and now you showed me how to die. I was lost till Sunday morning. I woke up to face my fear. While writing you this goodbye song, I found a tear. I'm gonna miss that smile. I'm gonna miss you, my friend. Even though it hurts the way it ended up, I do it all again. So play it sweet in heaven, 'cause that's right where you wanna be. I'm not crying 'cause I feel so sorry for you. Crying for me. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner. Here's my co-host, Justin Pennick. And the Giants have filled out their coaching staff. Justin, we have all of our uh, new coaches, um, from quarterback coach to outside linebacker coach. The the roster's filled. We got some upgraded and positions for guys like Kafka, Henderson, and Tierney. And we're going to do a little inside linebacker review on the year. Justin, how you doing? Bobby Skinner, I'm good, man. Uh, by the time that everybody's listening to this, we're going to be... In Jersey City, doing our 2024 third annual John Boy Media Scouting Combine. Pretty excited for it. Um, you know, we put out four videos last year. All of them amassed like you know 60,000 views on some channels that weren't even doing that well last year. And now that the JM Football Channel is actually going, I'm really excited to see how we're going to have three videos, three different events, and uh, the competition's going to be up. It's going to be more competitive. Going to be more people. Some different events, so I'm really excited. End of April, when the when the real combine's happening, that's when our jam combine will be coming out. I'll run my forty and do all that. So I'm really excited for it. It's one of my one of my favorite times of the year. A lot of work, but one of my favorite times of the year. How are you? I'm wonderful, uh, Justin. Before we get into this episode, this episode is brought to you by some special people. Shane, 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 Shane Bowen. Maybe because of Shane Bowen, and we played the Shame, Shame, Shame song. Maybe that's why Shane signed up. Sure. And then Evan Jenks. Leroy Jenks. Justin, who are these people? Man, these people went to patreon.com slash talk of giants for two dollars a month. Plus some of the tears. You get to hang out with us live while we're recording the shows. Uh, I think we're gonna start hopefully recording some episodes a little bit earlier in the day because I'm gonna be out of the warehouse on Thursdays and the Giants hopefully won't be having news in the middle of the day. So if you want some breaks during your work day, get some talk of giants in the afternoon. We're your go-to, and then uh, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail, plus there's some shirt raffles a couple times a month, patreon.com slash Giants. Thanks to our patrons, appreciate you. Justin, before we get into the the outside linebacker coach and tight end coach that have been hired, the Giants gave some title upgrades to some player people, coaches. Mike Kafka has uh, been added as the assistant head coach. The DB coach, Jerome Henderson, is the defensive passing game coordinator. And then QB coach, Shay Tierney, is the passing game coordinator. Justin, we can talk about these a little more in depth. But basically what these are is about, one, keeping someone on staff, but giving them a little better trajectory towards a head coaching job. And like, you know, like a sense, you know, not having your, you know, spinning your tires in the same position. Two, it gives you a pay raise, which is obviously important to all these guys. And then as far as like the passing game coordinator stuff for Henderson and Tierney, that's like you're just a lot more involved with the planning of third down and red zone and stuff like that where more, you know, where Tierney and, and Henderson probably 
had a lot more to do with just coaching their positions, right? Like I, I like Drew Wilkins was kind of the passing game coordinator with Wink Martindale without actually having that title because it talks about how he was so vital on third down, you know, drawing up blitzes and coverages. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Um, you know, and I, I think this should have happened regardless of the the turmoil or, or no turmoil, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think Jerome Henderson just deserves it anyway, you know, being here through these two coaching staffs and through these two coaching staffs and two defensive coordinators, or I guess this is his third defensive coordinator now. Um, you know, he's had really good secondary, so I think he definitely deserves that title. Shea Tierney did a really good job of the quarterbacks last year, Sands Daniel Jones. Um and especially with Kafka, who was Wink the assistant head coach the last two years? Did we have there just an assistant was head no coach? Assist, there just was no assistant head coach the last That's two years. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So good for Kafka. Um, you know, I I don't think this was done. Like I said, I, I would have done this regardless of whether or not, you know, there's reports of Dable being hard to work with. And is Kafka happy? Is Kafka not happy? I would have done all of like, I'm I'm a fan of doing all of these things regardless of whether or not there's some um, you know, tension between between Dable and some of these coaches. I, I, I think it's worth it. Good for Kafka. Good for Tierney. It, it's all these guys. I feel like they deserve it, so it's good. Well, it's, right now it's the offseason. I'm sure things have settled down a little bit from when they were in the season. But, I mean, we knew with essentially 99% cer- certainty that Kafka did want to go, yes. right? And they blocked him from a lateral job, which is their right. But I think this will all come down to who's calling plays. But I do like the effort from Dable to try and mend yeah. fences and make this work, right? And this is part of my why I was so anti-Wink in the end is Wink really seemed like he had no care of fixing it. He just decided that he was done halfway through the year or whatever it ended up being and took his ball and went home, where I think Kafka I have a lot more respect for in that. It was like at least trying to to make all of this work, and I, I value Kafka just as a coach as well. But it, it still comes down to play calling, right? Because – if Kafka is not calling plays and his contract ends after this year, well, he's guaranteed to be gone, right? Whereas if he if he's calling plays and if he doesn't get a head coaching job next offseason, well, then he could very well be back. But if he's not calling plays, he is without a doubt going to be leaving after this season, assuming that's when his contract ends like Winks and, and Thomas McGahee's did. Yeah, I don't think Mike Kafka's here next year. Like, I'm kind of rooting for him to not be here because if he's not here, then that means that hopefully the Giants had a good year and hopefully Mike Kafka gets a head coaching job. Like, that's that's the hope. He's gotten head coaching interviews these last two off seasons. Um, You know, I, I want the Giants to do well this year. And if the Giants do well, their offense needs to do well. And then Mike Kafka will get praise for that, which is awesome. And then if the Giants don't do well, then guess what? I definitely don't think Mike Kafka's back. His contract's going to go out. And then, you know, if, if, if Dable's still here, then Dable will bring in his own person, et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely do think this is Mike Kafka's last year here, kind of no matter what. And then with Shea Tierney, maybe this is a little bit grooming him for that offensive coordinator role next year. We could see on that. But I am, you know, even though this title I don't think means a ton, I am glad that Jerome Henderson is going to be having his input on the passing game on the defense because, I mean, Shane Bone's passing defense is – have not been good, right? They've they've given up yards. They've given up you know high yards per attempt. They've never been an efficient defense, passing wise. And like I I want Jerome Henderson's input after you know four years with Patrick Graham and Wink Martindale uh, on the Giants with some with personnel that the Giants have brought in and really hel- helping out with that. 
yeah um yeah i'm i'm good happy happy with it i, I will say the one thing too if even if you want to connect it to like front office stuff i was on with uh he's a giant and uh, and monty and sal and one of the things one of the things they brought up too was talking about like shane and even even like mara and they're good on them like hey if this is if this is you know a way for john mara to open up his pocket a little bit more to try and alleviate again if, if there is tension if there's not tension whatever john mara's way to kind of put his hand out and put his wallet out literally saying hey let's Maybe maybe adding a couple zeros to your to your salary will kind of keep you happy. Then good on John Mara. Good for Joe Shane communicating that. Good for John Mara allowing it. And you know, this is again. I feel like this is a win win for kind of everybody involved. The Giants uh, hired outside linebacker coach Charlie Bulin. Bulin Charlie Bulin, as I like to call him. He was in uh, Illinois' outside linebacker coach last year. Three years before that was with the Cardinals in the same position. Um, and then was an inside linebacker assistant coach for the Cardinals and Dolphins for four years, um, and then was with the Dolphins as a D-line coach. So the only connection is to Shane with the Miami connection. I don't, I don't know how much that played a role into this or, or how this connection started. Um, you know, the info, I, I looked at pass rush win rate of his time with the Cardinals, Justin, and nothing that blows you away. But here is something I will say is, you know, he talked about in an interview with Illinois. He's like, hey, I, at first I was there with a lot of vets, right? Marcus Golden, Chandler Jones. Uh, and then they gave me a bunch of rookies. You know, I had rookies of Jesse Lucchetta out of Penn State, Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State, and MyJ Sanders out of Cincinnati. And whenever I would go look at, like, the pass rush stats for rookies last year with Kayvon, I would always notice how Cameron Thomas was looking pretty good, even though he wasn't getting the amount of snaps. And I re- like really was pr- uh, like that, and I don't think he got his – had the the growth this year but hey Bullen wasn't there Marcus Golden's numbers were always pretty solid there with ninth in 2020 mm-hmm. Chandler Jones was kind of on the down uh decline but was still you know I guess somewhat modest um so solid numbers there uh but the pressure is on for that outside linebacker room cave on Thibodeau like this you have a new coach new a different type of system that's a little more bend don't break step up step up cave on Thibodeau because uh, you are in a different scheme. It's time to be more than, you know, if the sacks don't get there this year, be a guy who wins on a down-to-down basis. And I will be a lot happier with you if you do that than 11 and a half sacks. Yeah, 11 and a half sacks and only two or three QB hits outside of those 11 and a half sacks is not, is not very fun. Um, yeah, Cam Thomas was a guy at a San Diego State that Bobby, you and I liked, and it's kind of rare to find these edge rushers or pass rushers that are outside like the first two rounds that you kind of like. And we were like, oh, Cam Thomas has got it strong. He plays hard. So it's cool to see that that kind of translated to to the NFL. And this guy had his had his hands on him. Uh, Marcus Golden, one-year deal. Bring him back. Bring back my friend. Honestly, not the, honestly, not the worst idea in the Should've world, right? He, he had a good year for Pittsburgh in, in relief. Now, Cameron Thomas didn't have the success this year that uh, I think he was looking for. Another one, I feel like the Cardinals just draft everyone who's like a tweener. Like they just <laughs> like they just draft like, "Oh, you don't have we don't know what your position is." Yeah. Welcome to the Arizona Cardinals. They've done it, <laughs> you know, Isaiah Simmons, Zaven Collins, you know, Cameron Thomas, you know, Zach Allen who's like a defensive tackle, you know, now he played edge for them. Um, you know, they just constantly, you know, don't they just they just play their cats out of out of position, which is Kind of funny. I'm, I'm trying to look up uh, 
Cameron Thomas' uh, pass rush. But again, Bullen, do you know what Bullen is? Jamie, Bullen, Jamie Bullen? No. Okay. Um, I'm looking up uh, Cameron Thomas. Eh, his win rate went down like 7%. That's not good. That's not well, I mean, good. Hey, but BJ, his, BJ his, his position coach left. BJ Ojolaria is, uh, I feel like, someone that's kind of primed for um, a breakout in year two, right? He didn't get a ton of uh, run, but had good numbers. Uh, I'm excited. I have like a lot of year two breakout players this year. I'm excited to see Miles Murphy in Cincinnati. I know that has nothing to do with the Giants or anything right now, but if you're listening to us talk about the outside linebacker coach, I thought you might think that. The Giants also hired a tight end coach. Now, this tight end coach is very qualified. In the NFL, tight end coach Tim Kelly was the Titans offensive coordinator last year, the passing game coordinator the year before that, and then was the OC with the Texans for three years after being their, their tight end coach from 2017 to 18. Uh, he's worked as a QB coach, offensive line coach. Um, so he's basically hit every every position on the on the offense as a coach, to, uh, but going to be brought into, you know, be the tight end coach. He was actually asked, Justin, I, had a, I found a clip of the Titans – talking to him last year at the combine I believe and they randomly just asked him about the tight ends like what do you look for in those tight ends and he didn't give like the most in-depth answer but he did say like hey physical and versatile um and you look at it, it like has a history of I don't know if he has a lot of play in the draft room or not but the teams that he's been on have drafted tight ends pretty you know pretty frequently when he's an OC Josh Wiley last year for the Titans and then two guys I like Chicken and Conquo uh, out of Maryland who I think is like coming along for the Tennessee pretty well you know he's kind of that tweener like H back you know athletic type of guy and then Brevin Jordan for the Texans who you look at his box score and you won't be wowed but anytime he's gotten the opportunity behind Dalton Schultz in Houston has created big plays had I think he even postseason. had one in the yeah, yeah, he had one in the playoffs. He's had against other big plays. Yeah, yeah. Against there was a, a week when Dalton Schultz was injured, where he had um, um, some big plays in there. So basically, I think they're going to look for speed at the the tight end room. You know, there's a player in this draft, Justin. We talked about on the way to early draft preview, uh, Jatavion Sanders, the tight end of Texas, and with the Giants have trading for Waller and what they kind of look for in the tight end room, I will be interested to see. Despite the fact that it's not a huge position of need, the Giants pass up on him because I feel like they're going to love him. They've been interested in upgrading that room, even though it may not feel like they need to upgrade that room like every every year. Like they, we, we've always like even Payne Durham, like they were looking at adding Payne Durham last year after they traded for Darren Waller and having Daniel Bellinger. You, you know, we talk about it all the time how, you know, we saw on NFL Network, the Bucks trade up one pick right before the Giants take Payne Durham camera cuts to Brian Dable and he's pissed. So, One of their top 30 visits. Yeah, the top 40. You know. Yeah, I keep on saying top 40. Stop saying that, Justin. Um, it's top 30. Yeah, so Giants definitely look to continue to add to that tight end room, even though they didn't really need to last year. Um, so that's certainly, a, you know, even though it's not a position of need, certainly it's a position to keep an eye out for. If you're viewing him as an offensive coordinator, fill, you know, candidate to replace Kafka no. in a year, um, I haven't studied the Titans' offense, but his offense is whether it's with the Texans, and this included a couple years with Deshaun Watson at his best. Never ranked higher than 14th in points per game, so I think that's that doesn't stand out to me, but not to say that they don't do some good things with, with the Titans' offense. 
even though, actually I kind of disliked some of the stuff they did this past year. So maybe I'm not high on Tim Kelly's an office coordinator, but tight end coach is obviously a whole different position. All right, Justin, I'm going to talk to us about something before we talk about the inside linebackers from this past year. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes t- buying tickets super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. They always want to make sure that you are getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. Justin, so we're not going to the Daytona 500 this year we are not. to make continent. Um, but I live, you know, an hour and 20 minutes away from there. And so I'm kind of thinking about going up for qualifying Wednesday, the duels on Thursday, the truck race on Friday, and then the 500 on Sunday. Um, so if, if any of you guys are out there, say hello. But I'm going to use SeatGeek, and it'd be a real shame if the people that are listening to this to make sure we read the ad correctly from SeatGeek are like, oh my gosh, we should sponsor Bobby Skinner to go down to Daytona with the SeatGeek app, right? <laughs> and you know, we'll we'll he'll make content talking about how great of a you know product SeatGeek is and how you know you can get twenty dollars off your first purchase if you use promo code Giants and how oh not only did he do that he bought his tickets for the Pro Bowl on SeatGeek the week before wow what a great ambassador for our great product we've got the hookup use code Giants for twenty dollars off your first purchase at SeatGeek that's twenty dollars off your first purchase with promo code Giants click the link in the description to download the app can we also Justin, now that something? we've got We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Now that I've gotten like the taste of like getting free stuff and getting hooked up with stuff, I'm, I'm kind of addicted to it. Yeah. Like I just, I just want to get f- bigger and f- more famous just to get like free stuff. Sure. Hey, come like, here. Ju- just come here for free. Come attend just, this thing for free. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I love getting hooked up, getting good seats, you know, just being like, you hey, want to know I'm- how rich people stay rich? They don't have to pay for anything. Yeah. That's true. They don't. You know, Get, I, now I'm not rich. I just want to be more well known so I can do some free stuff. I don't right. care about being free. But SeatGeek, man, we would love to to promote your send Justin's ass to Daytona 500. Yeah, right now. Send my um, ass. In a couple in a couple weeks, we're going to be in Woodbridge, New Jersey, at the Woodbridge Brewery, to, uh, yes. hanging out with Justin Tuck. Yes, the tickets are in the description of this episode. It'll be Bobby Skinner, myself, and Justin Tuck. Um, we're going to record a Talking Giants episode there, um, and uh, yeah, meet Justin Tuck, get his autograph, hang out with us. I, I think it's going to be a really cool time. We didn't have like a watch party this year. We didn't have like an event. Um, this will be the first time we're actually going to record a podcast in front of people. We've you know we've done live streams, obviously, Mister. We did one in North Carolina. That's true. So this is the second one. Um, that's a, such a great point. I can't believe I forgot about that. You can't but, forget that random time we did a live show. I mean, well, Mr. Brownstone saved the season. Mr. Brownstone saved the season. So I don't know how. I mean, that's actually criminal that I forgot about that. So it'll be the second time that we actually record uh, a live show. But it'll be like with the Giants legend. Um, sorry, Mr. Brownstone. Actually, the second Giants legend because Mr. Brownstone is a Giants legend. But yeah, tickets are in the description. Woodbridge Brewing Company. It's very close to my house. So I may even like hang out afterwards and, you know. If you wanna, if you wanna grab grab some grub, let's let's do it. Let's have a fun day on Saturday. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly excited to do that. Right, and we're gonna talk with Tuck for a little bit, do you know the podcast there? So it should be a lot of fun. So make sure to come out and say hello. February twenty fourth, um, Robert Brewing Company. 
you know, I will, I will Venmo if you go there. I will Venmo you ten bucks if you can like discreetly get yourself on camera asking Justin Tuck, like, do you know where the Talking Giants guys are? Like, I want to, I actually want to talk. I want to get their autograph, not get our, just talk to us, just to be like, you know, kind of flex on Justin Tuck a little bit. Like, excuse, excuse me, do you know where Bobby Skinner and Justin Panic are? We have to do the 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 bow picture as like you know new episode of Talking can, Giants with Justin. We can do Tuck. that. That could be the thumbnail. Yeah, absolutely. Thumbnail. So. Excited for that. What did, what day is that in Woodbridge, New Jersey? February twenty fourth, Saturday. Saturday. It's close. It's coming up. Coming up. It's the week after the Daytona five hundred. Seat Geek. Um. Promo code Giants twenty dollars off your first purchase. All right, Justin. Let's do our inside linebacker review. Um, uh, and it starts. This group improved a lot this year, right? I thought it was the Giants' biggest position of weakness in two thousand twenty two in their playoff run. Like truly, like I know wide receiver was the big, you know, hot topic for improvement for the Giants, but inside linebacker was their, to me, their worst unit. Uh, and I thought like, pr- like probably a good margin. And let me ask you this too. I mean, I don't know how many position reviews are we going to do. I don't know if we're going to be able to bang out every single one of them. I guess even quarterback because quarterback, there's three of them to review. I think this is the running back. Sure. Out of, Besides quarterback and running back, I think this is the position that has the lowest, least amount of names. It's just three. Carter Coffin got two defensive snaps this year, so there's no need to review him. It's just three. It's it's Okereke, it's McFadden, and it's Isaiah Simmons. And usually, Bobby, you know, you say this every year. Usually, this is a position where you're 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 stretching, like you're in training camp. As soon as you as soon as you think Deontay Johnson, the undrafted free agent, is not going to play this year. Uh, odds are he may play. Your fourth, fifth stringer out of interior linebacker may play. And the Giants were kind of lucky this year because they had their first two guys on first and second down. Simmons came in on a lot of third downs, and that was the rotating crew this year. Yeah, they stayed healthy, which, again, is usually is not all that common for the inside linebacker. And, again, it's, it's usually a position that stretches stretches your depth on a year-in-year-out basis or even just, hey, let's let's make a ch- – it's a position that gets a change made at it quite often too. Um, but it started, Justin, and the success started with Bobby Okereke, the linebacker. Signed a four-year, $40 million contract with $22 million guaranteed coming over from the Colts. Six foot one, 235 pounds, 27 years old. Man, he had a hell of a season, right? And, you know, the the box score numbers show it. And, uh, you know, the and, you know the, the advanced stats show it too. It had 149 tackles, 11 tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks. Two interceptions, four forced fumbles, and not only did he have two interceptions, he set up two interceptions for Jason Pinnock and Micah McFadden by tipping the ball up. One ended up being a 102-yard touchdown return by Jason Pinnock. And it's funny because the first three to four games were kind of average linebacker play out of OKRK, right? Like he was he was doing his job, yeah, you know, but he was thrilled. not playing fast or instinctive at all. Would have a few bad plays a game that would lead to big plays. And man, it just really clicked. And he came into his zone, was playing fast, processing, getting downhill, using the speed. Like he really started to, tr- and I think he was even quoted on this that like he really just started to trust the system. I know he's going into a new system this year, but he really started to trust the system. And I mean, it was, it was awesome linebacker play. And it was good linebacker play is one of the most fun things to watch in football. And Okereke did that on a weekly basis after those first few games. 
Yeah, I mean, Bobby Okereke, one of the sole reasons why the Giants were right up there in the NFL in, in, in turnovers forced this year, um, which is awesome, because uh, especially stemming from a year where the Giants couldn't get a turnover to, you know, force a turnover to save their life, especially in an interception, um, to have a year where turnovers were a big part of the season and one of the big reasons why the Giants were able to stay alive in a lot of games. It was it was awesome. Okereke was was really leading leading the charge on that, being the, you know that kind of line that that captain on that defense. Um, I have some stats. If I'm repeating some of your stats, I'm sorry. Um, these are just the stats that I found when I when I awarded him my. Uh, defensive most outstanding player of the year award fifth in the NFL in, in run stops among interior linebackers. He was 20th in run stop rate eighth in PFF coverage grade seventh lowest average depth of target tied for fourth at pass breakups and tied for ninth in pressures among interior linebackers. He forced negative plays. Like I said, and some turnovers, the thing that's probably most impressive to me and why I gave him most outstanding player a thousand plays in 16 games, 95% of the snaps in games he's active, he was on the field for. Iron Man, that's what you want out of Rich, your Mike linebacker. Again? 95% of the snaps in the games that he was in, he played in. Like he, 95% of the snaps that he was eligible to play in, he was in, and he was active. This year? This year, yes. He didn't miss a snap on defense this year. Why did I have, why did I have that down? Well, I'm wrong, so look at that. Him and Xavier McKinney were actually the only two defenders in the NFL to not miss a snap this year. Knew that. My notes are terrible. So I made me so happy when the Commanders made Cam Curl a healthy scratch in the last game of the season to make that happen. Um, you know, in the run game, obviously, like it was trusting the system, playing behind decks, I thought helped a lot. And it was just able to get, had a quick trigger, get downhill and use like that athleticism that he had. And that was something that. You know, when he came up from the Colts, I, I wanted to see him grow as, right? And we do see that happen for guys, right? We saw it happen with Blake Martinez, you know, where he actually became a, a, a lot better player uh, once he came over to the Giants. It is just, and maybe it has something to do with the defense alignment that the Giants freaking bring in or just have had, um, you know, defensive tackles, is that just kind of trust it, get downhill, process, see it, and get downhill, and he was able to do that, you know. And 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 I think part of it was trusting that Michael McFadden would also be in the right spot. And I, I we'll talk about McFadden. I thought Okereke was vital to Michael McFadden's success this past year, um, and that's just all in the run game. I mean, in the in the coverage, Justin. I mean, he was top of the NFL as a coverage linebacker, right? Was fifth and fourth in completions. Out of guys who played, you know, fifty percent of uh, of coverage snaps, he was first and fourth uh, in completion percentage, fifth in pass breakups, um, and that's all while also having like the third most pass rush snaps as an inside linebacker. Despite the fact that that's that's really not his strong suit, he's not going to be asked to do that. I don't think in the Bowen defense, and even if they do want to blitz some linebackers, McFadden is actually better than him in that area. But man, he's and he's huge as a coverage linebacker. And, and not only just the force and completions, but, hey, creating interceptions, right? Um, you know, the Bills game was outstanding. And then creating plays for other guys by tipping the ball up, too. Yeah, we knew that when after he was signed with the Colts. Like, the Colts put so much on his plate. And I don't think Wink Martindale did that to him this year necessarily, where the Colts put so much on his plate. Uh, you know, really tough assignments and coverage where it, it, his his numbers, like his kind of raw numbers with the Colts, I don't really think they looked that great. It kind of looked like, oh, Karake maybe is a bad coverage linebacker. But 
I think they put so much on his plate. They put so much responsibility that that's why the numbers don't look great. And they looked good this year because I think Wink Martin was a little bit more responsible with it. And Okereke really fit. And he bought into it eventually, especially as the especially as the season went on. All right. So here's the question that we're going to ask, especially for these uh, for these top two guys, because I think the question's a little different with Simmons. What is uh, Okereke's role? Uh, what what are his, what do his strengths look like in a Shane Bowen led defense? Do you have an idea of that yet? What do you what do you what's your idea around that? It's going to be more similar to what he was asked to do with the Colts, and that's where I know Okereke is still going to be good because he was good with the Colts, obviously. But will he? I don't know if he's going to be able to if he will excel the way he did, and I think part of that starts from. Bowen likes to play from two high safeties, right? And hey, you're gonna—he's gonna rotate that safety down post snap, but it—you do have to be a little more patient in the run game when you're there because your gap is not so so defined, right? Um, he's a pretty patient so, player, I would say. So, but I can I can see him having less tackles for a loss, right? Like this was his career high with eleven. The best year before that was six, so I could see him both those guys having less tackles for a loss. But still being like, okay, this is still a really good player, but maybe not having the most outstanding stuff. And it'll be interesting to see how he uses him in coverage because what Wink did was force the ball to come out quick, which allowed Okereke to kind of read route and get and get underneath that stuff, where a Bowen defense may ask you to kind of spot drop a little more and react to stuff that's going to be coming underneath you. And that's why you mentioned the Colts coverage stats. Like, yeah, he's a really good coverage linebacker for the Colts, but Really didn't have a ton of playmaker stats and gave up a lot of catches because they're kind of letting that stuff happen underneath them. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's it's basically it's basically what I got. Um, you want to move to uh, Micah McFadden? Yeah, let's move to Micah McFadden because I think the conversation includes Bobby Okereke in this. Micah McFadden, six foot two, two hundred thirty two pounds, twenty four years old, was drafted in the fifth round in two thousand twenty two. Nice statistical season for Michael McFadden. Had 101 tackles on a team that had two other guys with 100-plus and Okereke and McKinney. 12 tackles for a loss, a sack, and an interception. Um, 12 tackles for a loss was the most for the Giants since Leonard Williams in 2020. And it was their most for an inside linebacker since Kiwanuka in 2011. But Kiwanuka was not really a stack linebacker. Defensive end, yeah. yeah, he played you know a third of the snaps on the edge. Before that, it was Michael Barrow. Um, you know, I oh. think in... Uh, O2 maybe. Yeah. So he filled he played his role well, but at the same time his role you know was a first and second down guy which they kind of started taking him off the field, not kind of. They started taking him off the field on third down for Isaiah Simmons. They didn't put much coverage responsibility. It was more about getting downhill, but he did that well, right? Um you know, I think having Okereke allowed him to trigger downhill, but he is a good player when he's playing confidently. And I think that even showed up in 2022. And it's why he was one of my guys who I thought would actually look, you know, the opinion on him would be a lot higher after this season is because putting him next to Okereke, so a linebacker who knows what he's doing, is going to allow McFadden to play like that. And when McFadden's playing confidently, he's truly a different player, right? You saw him lose his confidence. Like his best game in 2022 was his first start against the Seattle Seahawks. He was making – like, that was a good game for Mike McFadden. And it kind of went downhill after that, after he, you know, was yeah. not having the same confidence. But what he does is get downhill quick, bust shit up. He moves laterally well. 
and and is able to sniff that stuff out, right? Like he's got good rec, he got good reaction skills to what's happening in front of him, and I think he's someone that is not, you know, proof of oh we can upgrade over this guy, but man, I, I he he does give you comfort and not looking to upgrade that position either. Yeah, and despite Bobby Okereke playing like almost 300, 400 more snaps than uh, than Micah McFadden, because Micah McFadden, I have this right. I know this. I have this right as a fact. So uh, 69% of the snaps Micah McFadden played in games in which he was eligible to play in, 69% of the snaps, 737 snaps this year. And he had another, and he had an additional tackle for loss. He had, uh, you know, he had uh, 12 tackles for loss while Okereke had, had 11. Um, and fun fact, Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden were the only two linebackers to have over 100 tackles, at least 10 tackles for loss, and be on the same team. So both of them coming from the Giants. Only linebacker duo to do that this year. Um, Production-wise, like they were, I'm not calling them talent-wise, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Not calling Micah McFadden talented, but they worked well together, and they produced together in Wink Martindale's scheme. Um, you know, better than a lot of other linebacker duos in the NFL last year. So, so that was, so that certainly, that certainly was great. And I think even you saw it, like you mentioned, oh, uh, Micah McFadden's first start. He, the, that was one of his best games of his rookie season. I also thought one of his best games from 2022 was his la- was the last game where J- 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 uh, Jameen Davis, Jamin Davis was, was Jared much- Davis. Jared Davis, excuse me. Um, J- Jameen Davis is the guy from Washington. Jared, Jared Davis from that Philly game. He was that Mike. I thought Mike McFadden played really well that game because you had somewhat of a competent Mike linebacker playing next to him. So um, interested to see, especially because they wanted to take him off the field on third down. Still doesn't feel like McFadden still doesn't feel like he has a great feel for zone coverage and coverage and stuff like that. Curious to see what his role is this year. Yeah, and I mean, this guy went from if you mentioned if I, you know, I remember saying after the draft because the Giants didn't draft any inside linebackers is like, yeah, McFadden's my favorite inside linebacker too. Getting like, hey, what about Dane Beavers? What about Davis? And I'm like, nope, I, I think McFadden's gonna be it. Now that being said, he does have flaws to his game. One, like you said, taken off the field on third down for covered reasons. Also, the missed tackles were an issue, and I honestly thought he would get benched after that Cardinals game week two because of how bad the missed tackles were. They 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 helped. They got better after that, but they were still an issue. You know, twenty percent is bad. Like that's he what had the it is fifth highest missed tackle rate for linebackers on run plays this year. That's really that's really bad though. Out of sixty four guys, yeah. Oh, it's it's bad. Like when I'm saying fifth highest, it means like the fifth worst. Yeah, you know, miss miss tackle rate. I mean, that's in the like NFL. that's like old, that's like Ogletree miss tackle numbers right there. Twenty percent. Yeah. One one out of every five tackle opportunities, Micah McFadden is missing. And it's it's. I think it part of it has to do with one. He's not the strongest guy in the world. He's got shorter arms. You know, he's a smaller frame for that linebacker position. You know, I think strength needs to be at like he needs to be getting in that weight room this offseason to bring more pop. You know, to to his game because that that will be an issue that if they do go and get a cat in the fourth round or bring in a free agent for two and a half mil per year. That is the type of stuff that will get him taken off the field. And it's going to be interesting, Justin, because we'll talk about if Simmons is back, but he may be asked to be on the field for third down. But this Shane Bowen defense is going to be, you're going to have to read a lot more, right? It's not going to be as much go fast and react. It's going to be, have to be doing a lot more reading and seeing what's happening in front of you. And I think that will give McFadden not be able to be the same playmaker that he was in 2023. So if 
you know, I feel like he's someone that the Shane Bone defense could negatively impact. But at the same time, McFadden, I don't want to put over like he had a really good year, but I don't want to I don't want to put too much on him and then fall short. I, I really think he's someone who is someone who is not proof like we can upgrade that position, right? Even this offseason if they wanted to. But he also gives you the freedom to not feel the need to do that, right? Like if you're if you're looking to do that, it's because some cat you love in the draft falls to you, right? And you can't pass up on him. Or, you know, you get a good bargain deal in free agency for, you know, four million dollars and he comes out and, you know, plays better than him in camp or early in the season. And I definitely think that they should add a name because they may not get as lucky this year with the, with Okarake and McFadden and everybody staying healthy. Literally everybody was healthy for every game for interior linebacker, and that is really rare, and it was a good thing, um, and it certainly helped stabilize that defense, but it's not going to be an every-year thing where a position group that usually you do go through guys like crazy, it's not going to happen every year. My, my hope for the interior linebackers this year, Bobby, is I kind of... Maybe tackles is so tough, and it's tough to if a guy has a lot of tackles doesn't necessarily mean he had a great year. But when talking about the tackles for lost numbers, if those go down, I'm fine. Because what I want is I want the edge rushers, those negative plays to go up. I want the interior defensive linemen. I want those guys, those tackles for loss to go up. I mean, even if the safeties are used interchangeably, I want you know the safeties being aggressive, being in the box, getting after it. Um, even the corners getting involved in the run game, like that. You know that it was very, very dependent on Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke to really play the run well and to make those stops this year. Very, very dependent, and Dexter Lawrence dependent. Kayvon Thibodeau had some games where he was good setting the edge and playing the run. Then there would be some games where. He wouldn't be good, and you know, Jihad Ward is it, it, he is what it, he is. Azizo Jalari is what he is, and you know, Dexter Lawrence is awesome and elite. Teams would sometimes run away from him. I, I'm expecting everybody around these linebackers to be, especially the corners and the secondary, to be way more involved in trying to stop the run, maybe forcing some negative plays, and not be so linebacker dependent on having these tackles for loss and run stops, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Absolutely. All right, let's finish it off. Again, only only three of these guys with Isaiah Simmons. The Giants trade their seventh round pick for the former first rounder, and he played a, a you know a a defined role for the Giants and helped in their success. Um, I want to ask you this: Let's forget the fact that they didn't win games, so trading a pick away for a gadget player at the end of the day didn't make sense. But let's just say the offense played be- the offense played better, and they made the playoffs. Do you view the Isaiah Simmons trade as worth it? Yeah. I mean, what they they gave him a seventh round pick, right? Yeah, seventh a seventh round pick. I I agree. I do too. Now the reasons why, in hindsight, I wouldn't go back and do it is one, Wink Martindale's not here, right? And he's very much a Wink Martindale player. And then two, you didn't win, so I think I would rather have a seventh round pick. Maybe turn that guy into the next Carter Coughlin, who's a four year special teams you know, uh, you know, contributor than, than this. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, I, if we're looking at it as just, Hey, is did this help the giants for one season more than this likely seventh rounder probably would then yes, basically became just a third down guy. But again, it was, it was a pivotal role for, you know, Wink Martindale's defense. And if Wink Martindale was back, I would be saying like, 
go go bring back Isaiah Simmons, and he's not going to garner a lot of money. At fifty tackles, two tackles for a loss, and interception. I thought his most important role was essentially on third down and long would just close on on check when you know the teams would throw the ball short and try and rally to the first down, which the Giants had issues with. He would just close down on those guys and stop them from getting a first down with his speed. I thought that's what, what his biggest role was. I thought he did fairly well in coverage um, and man coverage when he was asked to do that type of stuff. I thought he was good in coverage. I, I thought he was like a, a flat-out advantage in coverage this year. Yeah, absolutely, in man coverage. you know, If you put him down on the field on first and second down in zone coverage, it would probably be a little more different of a story. But in man coverage on third down, by playing the sticks on third down and long and on zone – and then basically when Wink got into those cover zero looks as kind of was designated as the the extra rusher on the edge and with his size and his speed, he's able to close in on those QBs and, and make them get the ball out quicker and, and less accurate. So it's, it's a, a gadget player role, but I thought he did it well. Um, but he didn't come here and like, oh, he changed his career. He he was exactly what he was in Arizona. He was just used a little better, but he's still a flawed player who you can't put on the deck, who's not an every down player. Yeah, I mean, he in Arizona, he went from a player the last two years in 21 and 2022, played 1,000 snaps, 900 snaps. In his rookie year, he played 376 snaps. Well, he only played two more snaps this year with the Giants than he played in his rookie year. He played 378 snaps, 203 of them in coverage, only 91 as a pass rusher and 84 as a run defender. And I mean, Hey, I mean, it's, you know, Hey, eight, eight pressures, a sack and seven hurries. I'm sure some of them were, were untouched and Hey, in a Wink Martindale system that that's valuable. You know, the pass rush numbers are, are good. They're not great. He didn't get a lot of opportunities to do it. I, I don't think he, I don't, I think his advantage as a pass rusher, Bobby, I think it's just his speed. I don't think he has moves. I don't think he has strength. No, it's not. It's, it's just speed off the edge. And when you're a free rusher, which is going to happen with Martindale's defense, he can close faster than anyone, and he has size to just really disrupt the throw. But so, again, he's just – he's like if you are asking him to be anything more than that, you're going to be disappointed. Right. Right? He can't read in the run. He can't process. He can't get off blocks. And you talk about Michael McFadden having a missed tackle problem. Isaiah Simmons is way worse, and yeah. it shouldn't be. I mean, his 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 form – and I don't – to me, I don't get how – like his form as a tackler. It's terrible. It's t- it's t- it's t- it shouldn't be like that. Like that's something. If I was to coach him next year, like it, it cannot be like this. He basically tackles with his knees. He gets no leverage. He doesn't explode. And he's just he's just fast and just essentially runs into these guys standing straight up. Like, and you know, we almost lost the first Commanders game because of a missed tackle he had yeah, as a some really as bad a free, ones. as a free rusher. Um, so. I don't think he's back. Now, hey, if he's back as like the fourth linebacker on a minimum contract, then yeah, right? But we can have that conversation with essentially every player on a 53-man roster of like, would you have them back on the a minimum deal on the last man on depth chart? Yeah. So like I, I, I don't I don't view him as a priority to bring back. Again, bring him back on the minimum, sure. But I don't. I don't think he's going to have much a role in a non-Wink Martindale defense. Yeah, it's a coin flip for me on if he'll be back or not. I kind of don't get care. ready to I, learn Minnesota, buddy. Yeah, get ready to get ready to learn Brian Flores, buddy. Um, that actually would be a fun fit. Him and Ivan Pace Hope Jr. You like running around. Toasted. <laughs> Him and Ivan Pace Jr. running around. That's kind of fun. Give Ivan um, Pace his body. Yeah, and he's the best linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. 
Dude, Ivan Pace had a really fun rookie year. Undrafted, right? Yeah. I wanted to make some jam football videos on him. It just never it never it never lined up. I think now's a good time. Off season. Uh coin flip for me. Uh, I I don't care either way if he if he's back or not. Those missed tackles really those missed tackles really do hurt me. And I know Isaiah Simmons does have a lot of fans out there. And I don't like admit missed tackles for me. If your linebacker doesn't play a lot and you miss tackles, it's kinda like, all right, I think you're you're kind of easily replaceable. And what what is Bowen? The question is, is like what what is Bowen going to do? And what is Bowen what is Bowen going to do? And what is Bowen going to ask these linebackers to do that fits what Isaiah Simmons does well? Yeah, it's, it's just not a fit unless Shane Bowen tries to copy Wink Martindale's covers. Like if he wants again the cover zero looks, and then again on third and long, you want to put him on the field. Sure, but. I don't know if Shane Bowen's gonna gonna prioritize that. Now again, hey, if they don't upgrade linebacker position at all, yeah, I'll, I'll, I would I would be fine bringing him back, but I, I don't I don't foresee a role for him. Yeah, I mean, if anything, like if the plan is like, hey, we want to keep him on the roster for man coverage, third down coverage situations. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm I'm for that, one hundred percent. But I still yeah, but I don't think want, they're. But we both. I think we're both in the same spot where we don't want him as just number three inside linebacker. No, no. Because if someone like, misses a game, we then right. we would like someone better in that position. Right. Because if Okereke or McFadden goes down, and then he's stepping in at number two on first and second down, and we're asking him to be the traditional, the traditional down to down linebacker, that's a that's a scarier situation. All right, Justin. That's an episode. Um. So we'll be back on Tuesday. Not, I'm not going to say that we have an interview because, again, I don't I don't believe in saying that until they're done. And this guy's already been a tiny bit uh, a difficult. But we should have an interview like we try to do after the Super Bowl. And we'll, we'll do our own little Super Bowl recaps, like the one time of year where we talk about the NFL. So ex- excited to do that. Uh, a lot of stuff coming up the pike. We will see you. Th- and now, we can have, now that the Giants just have a defensive coordinator – we can just start bringing people on for interviews, which we've been kind of waiting to do that because didn't feel like doing an interview and like, oh, well, that interview doesn't matter anymore because the Giants signed a defense coordinator five minutes later. Yeah, these interviews will be big because as we approach the middle of February and you know, uh, beginning of March will be franchise tag, and then obviously the new league year, Com- combine at the end of the month. You know, we'll we'll have new information after the combine, but even leading into it, you know, it's going to be big to figure out kind of. What's going on in that Giants building? So, All right. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Have fun. Yeah. We'll see you when we see you. Until then, let's go Big Blue.